Super Talk Mississippi media production. And good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Eagle Hour Friday edition of the show. We're glad you're with us this afternoon. No open, but we uh, have the show, and that really is all that matters. Bob Getty and Luke Johnson from the First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg. We're glad you're with us this afternoon. And Luke, I hope uh, the weather's as pretty in Laurel as it is here in Hattiesburg. Absolutely gorgeous. It's going to be a gorgeous weekend. No open, but that gives us more time to talk to uh, our, our guest today. I'm really excited about it. Bob, uh, what, are you, what are you going to do this weekend because it's so beautiful? I'm going to try to get outside and uh, get some exercise and get some fresh air, and I guess that's about all we can do in this day and time, right? True that, for sure. All right, so here we go. Uh, opening guest today is Kevin Coker, former baseball star for the Golden Eagles. We'll have Neil McLaurin on the show uh, a little later in the hour as well, and uh, Kelly Sander will be joining us as well. First segment, is always, sponsored by Dickey's Barbecue Pit, proud supporters of the Eagle Hour and Southern Miss Athletics. I want to remind you now, it's important to support your local restaurants in this uh, really weird time, and uh, we ask for everybody to uh, support each and every restaurant in your area and when it comes to dickies they're serving food seven days a week through their drive through and take home and uh, they would love to have your business and we would love to see you support uh, a great uh, a great group of guys like the ones at dickies barbecue pit all right opening segment uh, our guest is no no stranger to the show kevin coker's been on the show before he's a former uh, catcher for the golden eagles and uh, kevin we're glad to have you back it is good to be here, guys. I hope you're both being uh, healthy and safe and uh, and making the most out of all this. Uh, like you said, I think you said weird time, crazy time. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, it's great to be here. I've been looking forward to this the whole day. I love talking with you guys. Well, good. We love having you, man. And uh, so how are things? I know you're in Atlanta. How are things in Atlanta this, this day and time? Well, today was the first day that the official shelter in place was lifted. But the last six weeks has been unlike anything that I've ever experienced. Um, I'm in sales uh, still, and we were working from home, which I've been able to still stay in touch with a lot of my clients. Uh, and it's, it's been weird with no baseball. Uh, you know, baseball was, was postponed. We haven't shut everything down, but it's been postponed for now. So we're doing the best we can and uh, just, just try to stay positive. That was going to be the first question I asked you. As a former college baseball player, now it's weird for all of us fans not to have Golden Eagle baseball, but as a, but as a guy that's part of that club, uh, it's got to be really odd for you not to be able to follow the Golden Eagles right now. You know what, uh, guys, I'll say this. When I found out that they had canceled the college baseball season, um, I, I wept. I really did. Um, I was so sad. I thought about what if this happened in 2006 when I was a senior, and I just I couldn't I couldn't understand what my mind would have been like. So I want to first say to all players, but specifically seniors, whether it's high school or college or anyone, um, you know, all the best to you guys. Uh, I hope that there's an opportunity to play at the next level. But uh, my heart, it, it, you know, definitely goes out to you guys. But yeah, to, to not follow Golden Eagle baseball, to not follow. Uh, I'm a Cubs fan, and I follow Cubs baseball. To not be looking at the box Amen. score to see what what thank you. Um, to not be looking at the box score to see what Dozier did last night. Um, you know, to to not be on the field with my sons. I've got a six year old and a nine year old that are big ball players, and it's just been it's been crazy. Right now, you know how Luke described. He reminded me of something about you, Kevin, before we went on the air. He said you're the only player in Southern Miss history that gave a finger for the baseball team, but at the same time found a wife. 
<laughs> that's uh that's 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 true um i still got that finger to this day that that uh i can't use it as much as i used to because when i would go cold call knocking on doors and shake hands with people they'd look down at me like what's that and uh <laughs> and, and and you know it doesn't do as well on the phone but uh but yes i i also um one of the great the greatest thing that came of, of my time at southern miss was uh was was meeting my wife Samia, and she's uh, she, she's been the rock of our household throughout all this. Uh, it's it's been tough but fun. All right, Luke. That is the understatement of your life, Kevin Coker. That she is the rock of your house because there were times in our college career where we looked at Sammy and we said, "Really, Coker? Really? Come here, let's talk to you." But it it all worked out, and uh, I saw God work in your life in college. And man, just uh, you know, you got three kids now, right? Yes, sir. Uh, Davis, Max, and Case, nine, six, and three. Wow, that's incredible, man. Congratulations on that. Uh, I, I missed you on opening weekend. We were reminiscing a little bit. Um, but, you know, the, the the roost was filled with former players, a lot of those guys that were in there uh, with you, Mark Maddox, and uh, some, some of those guys, Dozier was out there. Uh, what, what is so special? Because we, we see it, especially uh, in the last really 25 years with Southern Miss baseball. You guys, even guys that came before you or guys that came after you, there is such a brotherhood. Why is that? Because we, you know, we fought. We fought together. It was, uh, it was a, you know, wasn't always the easiest. We didn't always have a 2003 level team to where we could just go out there and maybe sleepwalk through a few innings and Jeff Cook's going to hit a home run or Bob McCrory's going to strike out 12 or whatever. Some of those years we really had to scrap. And, uh, and so it's just, and when you get together with a guy like Cliff Russell, who we spent five years together because, you know, he redshirted when he had the shoulder surgery. Uh, I think that was 05. And uh, I, I was, by the way, the red shirt class of 2002, the only one. Um, and so <laughs> to, to have five years of, uh, of, of time with him and then Mark is like a brother to me. He and I still stay in touch to this day. Um, just to, it, it, it really is the torch just kind of keeps getting passed. And, you know, to, to, for the players that were there, you know, prior to the uh, coronavirus and everything, I saw a lot of the same characteristics and character traits, and it all starts with number 40 that stands on that third baseline. Coach Barry beats that into those guys, and he pumps in the, you know, he's the heart and soul of that team, and that's a big part. And, and it started for us with Coach Palmer. Yeah, it, it, it sure did. One of the words you just used really, I think, described you as a player, scrappy, and I mean that in like the, the greatest possible way. For you, you were like one of those guys. I saw it on the football side. You were tremendous athletic talent, tremendous baseball player, but you came in a year after the greatest home run hitter in Southern Miss history, Brad Wilcut. You found your niche that sophomore season. We started seeing the defensive, you know, side of you as a catcher. You were a tremendous defensive catcher, and then your junior year, man, you hit three eighteen. How was it for you trying to find your niche there with with Cutter, you know, with his bat uh, behind the plate? Well, I mean, I remember walking into Southern Miss as a freshman and thinking, I am a boy and these are all men. What am I doing here? Like, <laughs> I didn't know. I was 175 pounds and, and, and I was soaking wet. Um, but, you know, competition's healthy. And, and, and Cutter will tell you to this day, Cutter and I are still very close, too. Um, 
we play in a fantasy football league together and we try to get together as often as we can as a, as a, you know, as a group. But, uh, he and I competed hard. We were at each other's throats a lot of times. And, um, you know, the good thing about the fact that I was able to start hitting a little bit was he didn't have to catch all the time. And he kind of yeah. took to first base for a while. And he's like, Hey man, you keep on keeping on. You know, I, I like this over here. I have to squat as much. And you, you know, you know, you like blocking the ball more than I do. And we'll, you know, we'll just kind of keep this thing going back and forth. And so it, it really worked out. And that year, that, that, uh, that junior year that you talk about, was, was a special year for me because it was the last time that I had to look at the lineup and wonder if I was going to be in it about halfway through that year. And there's a peace of mind to that. But at the same time, you still look over your shoulder and you think, I, I've, I've worked hard to get to this. I don't want to give this up. And so um, that was a special, special year. And it was Coach it was Coach Burroughs and Coach Barry going out and, and working with me uh, individually before games, before practices, because if you can't hit, you can't play. And that's just kind of it. And so they, they worked hours and hours with me. And Josh Hoffpower uh, and, and those guys would work hours with me in the cage and just kind of ended up working out. You know, Kevin, one thing I've observed being around Southern Miss baseball for the last several years is it, it appears to me – that all the guys that played Southern Miss baseball are part of a, a club, for for lack of a better term, a club, a fraternity, a, a lifelong, a lifelong group that only the baseball players can be a part of, and it seems to be very important to almost all of them. Am I right about that? You are absolutely right about that. Um, you know, I, I could go. You guys don't have enough time on the show for me to talk to you about each player. That, that has impacted my life both on the field and off the field. Um, we, when you are striving, because when we got there, we didn't make a regional our first year when I redshirted, and then we won the conference, and all of a sudden you get that taste of victory. But we realized what it took to get to that level, and it was each other pushing each other. You know, no one wanted to be the last guy to leave the cage. No one wanted to be the last guy to, to take a rep at, in the weight room, which, by the way, the weight room was the batting cage back when we were there. I saw what they got there. Yeah. Now those guys got it nice, but uh, but it didn't matter to us. It was you know the, the blue collar lunch pail feel that Southern Miss baseball had back then represented what we were all about. So you know that I think that's part of it because you look around there and while we had a lot of great players that went on to play a long time, um, a big part of it was just pushing each other and. And, and, and having each other's backs and saying, look, you got to get this last rep in. Take these last, you know, one more bucket of balls. And so um, Bo Griffin comes to mind when I think of that because he would never let me leave until we both got an extra bucket in, you know, before uh, the last group to leave. So he always helped push me and stay down there. All right, Kevin, we appreciate your time. Unfortunately, we're out of it, but I uh, hope you and your family stay safe there in Atlanta. And as always, we really like having you on the show. Thank you, man. Thank you all for having me. Y'all stay safe, stay healthy, and all the best, okay? There we go. Kevin Coker, everybody. Southern Miss Baseball. We'll be right back. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Back on a Friday, I'm so thankful it's Friday. A beautiful Friday it is. Eagle Hour, thanks for joining us. Bob and Luke from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg. 
and beautiful downtown Laurel. Greatly appreciate Kevin Coker. Not only broke a finger, but found a wife at Southern Miss, now living in Atlanta, Georgia, with uh, three kids. And one of my, uh, turned out to be one of my great friends at Southern Miss, and he did so much uh, for the baseball program. And, and Bob, when you think about, you know, he, he was joking how he was the only red shirt from 2002. One of the reasons for that is because Jared Hoppower, Matt Shepard, Cliff Russell, Brent Leach, who ended up playing for the Dodgers later on, they were all in that original signing class. And when you look back at the class of 2000, it would have been the signing class of 2001, the freshman class of 2002, loaded for bear with talent for Golden Eagle baseball. No question. We'd love talking Golden Eagle baseball, and uh, we'd probably do that every single day if we had the opportunity. But I tell you what, let's switch gears, Luke. Let's talk a little Southern Miss football with a young man who knows a lot about it because he just finished his career at Southern Miss. Neil McLaurin joins the Eagle Hour. And, Neil, we're glad to have you on the show, man. Uh, thanks for having me. So it's all over now, right? Uh, college football, high school football, college football. I've often wondered when, you, uh, when you've had the opportunity to play Division One football, you've been very good at it. They had a lot of great memories, a lot of great times. Uh, how difficult is it to let go of that, uh, Neil? And, and what are you, what are your thoughts as uh, as you uh, depart uh, after a college football career? I mean, it's tough, man. I'm still trying to get over, you know, the fact that it's all over. You know, and now I'm just, you know, I thank God for like the journey that I had playing football. So now I'm just thinking about going and coaching the young kids so they can have. A nice journey to play Division One football or basketball or whichever one they choose to play. Right, and you know one thing I hear from a, a lot of guys like you. I suspect I'm about to hear a confirmation from you that high school coaches were big influences in your life. Am I right about that? Yes, sir. You're right. What is it about high school coaches that athletes seem so attached to? I, I see it in NFL players. Uh, uh, Neil, that you, they'll often go back talking about their high school coaches. What what is it about that relationship that's so special? Well, I guess that's where it all started. You know, um, I guess when you playing from a high school, it's just, I, I guess you just build a trust, and when you move on from high school, they want you to come back and try to give the same thing that you did in high school. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, Luke, uh, I think you know this young man, don't you? Y'all, you speaking of high schools, do, y'all have a little something in common. Well, it's two days in a row we've had West Jones people on Neil, so I keep telling Bob that you know there's a gold mine out there in Soso, and I think he's starting to believe it. And, and man, you talk <laughs> about that high school coach. It was Scott Pearson for you, and Coach Pearson yeah. has come in and, and just had an unbelievable winning tradition. But he was a he was a guy that just didn't win on the field, man. He was somebody that that you guys uh, cling to on and off the field. And I'm sure you know you think about the Coach Blackledge and Coach Graves and so many guys right. out there at West Jones. How did playing for them shape what you did at Southwest and at Southern Miss? I mean, being from that area, they all uh, they teach you a lot because I guess they went through a lot and they really care about you because you know you're from the same community or whatever. Um, man, it was fun playing them. I remember watching you play just the athletic, and we would call your games here on Super Talk. You had an interesting college career. You went to Southwest and just lit it up 
first team, uh, all Mac Jack, and and then you went to Minnesota, but then you found yourself back at Southwest. Fill in the details for our listeners how you went north and then came back south. Mm, uh, I mean, when I got the offers to play, you know, Division One football at a Power Five school, I mean, I just took the opportunity because I never, you know, played nowhere else other than like playing in the south. So I just wanted to experience that. So when I took that, uh, I had a, um, had a fun experience up there. I just couldn't adjust like I wanted to up there. So that's what I ended up back at um, Southwest. So, Neil, I, I guess Minnesota's a little different than SoSo. Oh, yeah, it's a lot different, man. So, <laughs> it's a big city. Cold. It's very cold up there, man. Right. You weren't used to the, that yeah, too much. I went, yeah, I wasn't used to it at all. Now, I want to take you back to your senior year. You you made a lot of great catches, a lot, scored a lot of touchdowns for the Golden Eagles. But how about relive the night that you threw the 51-yard touchdown pass against Troy, Neil? Oh, man. We was, um, we was practicing on that for like two weeks straight. I mean, just – Wanted to complete a, uh, a touchdown to one of my guys. So when we was practicing, I said, "Man, I'm up." Just I told my receiver, "I said, man, just run. I'm gonna throw as far as I can. So you better get running." So you know, and I'm being a quarterback for so many years, uh-huh. and with other men knowing, you know, I can throw the ball well. I mean, we had a, a few trick plays in there, we throwing the football, but we never quite got around to that. Uh-huh. But and I did Troy. I was kind of nervous about throwing the football again because I didn't think that play was going to be called during that. Mm-hmm. But when it happened, I was like, okay, it's bringing me back to my quarterback days. I'm still throwing touchdowns. I still got it. So I was just happy that he called and made a play on it. Right. And and that was a, that was a, a big play in a an exciting football game, wasn't it? That was a great yes, football it game. It was. Yes, sir. It was very intense. Yeah. Luke? Um, couple couple more questions for me, Neil. Um, when when you think about, I, I think about the the play from Louisiana Tech your junior year when you just literally opened up a can of boom sauce and poured it all on top of that poor guy from Louisiana Tech. Oh, yeah. Just trucked him in the open field. Was the transition from quarterback to receiver was that difficult for you? Uh, it wasn't too difficult. I mean, I've been you no know, athletic all my life, so it wasn't too difficult about that. When you when you look at what happened uh, just last week uh, with the NFL draft, and you think about the guys that played at the same time of you in Jones County, uh, Omar Bayless goes to Carolina, um, Thakarius Keys goes to Kansas City, Scotty mm-hmm. Phillips um, goes to the Texans, and you think about all the guys um, that are already there ahead of time. It was crazy the the amount of talent in Jones County when you were playing high school football. Uh, man, yeah, it was, it was a lot of talent. I'm just proud you guys got a chance, you know, continue their career playing football. I mean, I, I know there's a couple more people in Jones County that don't have the same opportunity to play uh, NFL football. I'm just really proud of them guys, man. Yeah. And have you talked to Quez? Have you talked to, to D-Mike? And, and what what are they uh, looking forward to? Well, I spoke to Quiz. He came down here not too long ago. We uh, threw a couple routes with Nick Muller. You know, he was just talking about uh, the draft. But, you know, we're just trying to uh, make things happen for each other. But, you know, things don't work out my way, but his way. 
And uh, he got an opportunity to play for all the Thunder. Hopefully he do just as good as he did at Southern. So. What what's your plans uh, next, Neil? Um, as as you transition out of the uh, the player side of football, um, I've been thinking about coaching. You know, I'm saying he's a high schooler, Division One or something like that. Coaching, do uh, get to see some of these guys, what I've been through and how to you know maneuver through these kind of situations that I've been through. Just trying to get them on the right track and stuff like that. All right, Bob. Sounds like a good plan, uh, my man, and we uh, we we hope you have nothing but the best of luck and and, and accomplish everything that you want to accomplish. And uh, we want to thank you for the contributions you made to Southern Miss football, Neil. And uh, thanks a lot, man, for taking the time to talk to us this afternoon. That's appreciate it. All right, Neil McLaurin, everybody, and I tell you what, Luke, he you know, in a school that has a history of dynamic football players, this kid could really. He could really play, and he made a lot of big plays for the Golden Eagles in the couple of years he played here. He did, and it goes back to in, in high school, Stump and I would, would call, uh, particularly I think it was his junior or senior year, we would call uh, Friday night for Wes Jones, one of the most athletic players that I've ever seen play in, in high school. And he could do it on the basketball court, too. I mean, he literally could, could jump out of the gym. And it was awesome for me to know him. As a, as a freshman, a sophomore, a junior, to see how he matured even into community college, and then to see him play for Southern Miss, it, it seemed to catch those touchdowns and throw those touchdowns. It's always special when you see a kid play for your alma mater, for I guess both of your alma maters, and and to succeed. And he'll be a good coach, um, particularly because of the lineage that he comes from, and and how Scott Pearson and some of those guys have taught him. So wish Neil all the best going forward. Have you ever made a tally of how many kids from West Jones ended up playing football or baseball? Or some or some sport at Southern Miss. Not a tally. It's a lot of them. Um, I think Stumpster was probably one of the first ones. I'm probably wrong on that, mm-hmm. but uh, it was Stump. It was Terrell Omer, and it was me, and it was Barefoot, and uh, you know Neil's out of that list. You look at baseball with Sutton and Dickerson. There's a whole lot of them, and uh, and and part of that is, I mean, there's some people in the in, in West Jones that uh, that are Golden Eagles, true and true. One of the principals right now, David Valentine, is one of the most hardcore Southern Miss fans you'll ever meet. So we turn them out good and so so. Right. And so, no surprise, the pace setter was the stumpster. Am I right? Absolutely, Morris Code Scholarship offer. <laughs> Remember that. All right, Kelly Sanders next. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, welcome back to the show, everybody. Glad you're with us this afternoon. Bob and Luke from the First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg. Kelly Sander now joining us from his palladial estate uh, out in Canebrake. Uh, Kelly, are the all the hired help showing up? I mean, are you having trouble getting all the domestic help in the in the house every day due to the virus? No. Normally, when I when I enter the room, they all scatter. Because right. I told them, I said, I don't want to hear them, see them, none of that. 
So anytime I come to the room, they just kind of scatter like roaches. And how is the search for that pastry chef going? Did uh, you line that up? Uh, well, it's there are there are a lot of pastry chefs available now. Uh-huh. Um, you know, the the Big Twelve pastry chef guys are over in this group, and the right. SEC pastry chefs are over. <laughs> from right. the coaches who are having to take pay cuts. Right. You know? Of course, they want more money, though. Right. The SEC pastry chefs they they, they expect more money. Well, you know, Bob, what you want and what you get are two completely <laughs> different things <laughs> lots of times. That's, but, uh, that's more – well, we won't get into that. But, yeah, you're exactly right about that. All right, Kelly, you may know about this, but, you know, they're having a shrimp boil tomorrow at 4th Street Bar and Grill. Got an order today, are. I believe. And then uh, tell, give us some details on that. I think you know about that. Yeah, yeah, curbside service still at 4th Street. But, uh, you know, they sold out of shrimp, uh, I think, last – last week within two hours if you phone ahead today call four street and order your uh, shrimp boil plates tomorrow and then swing by and pick them up you get shrimp corn potatoes all the things that go along with uh with a shrimp boil i think it's uh maybe 20 bucks a plate for five pounds of shrimp something like that and mm-hmm. um and it's going to go quickly but it's just another way that res- restaurants are getting creative in order to to stay you know keep afloat in these times but um right. help our buddies out at four street bar and grill by uh, ordering up some shrimp tomorrow well we say it every day but we really can't say it enough <clears throat> the restaurants are always there for us to enhance our lives and make our lives better and right now the restaurants need us and uh so please try to try to make i, I would say at least one takeout order a week from a local restaurant and uh you'll enjoy the food it breaks the monotony of cooking every night, and eating the same food at home every night, and uh, it serves a, a most important uh, purpose. So we would uh, we would encourage you to do that. All right, Kelly, I hear NASCAR is just around the corner. We're going to see some live sporting events here pretty soon. May 17th, in fact, Bob, today being the 1st of May. That's two weeks from Sunday. They are going to race in Martinsville. There will be no fans in the stands, but it's... It won't be simulation racing like they've been putting on TV here. It'll be real, live people uh, in NASCAR race cars. And so we will have live sporting events on TV beginning on Sunday, May 17th. You know, guys, I think the TV audiences for those sorts of things are going to be massive. And I'm, I'm not one of these guys. I'd love to hear your guys' input. I'm not one of these people that say, oh, let's not have football if there can't be people in the stands. I say Cool to that. I'd a lot rather sit down uh, this this fall on Sunday afternoons and watch NFL football in an empty stadium than you know watching Amazon Prime on Sunday afternoon in the fall. And and there is and there is precedent for that. You know we joke about it, but there a lot of NFL teams don't you know don't sell their games out. I right. mean I remember last year opening weekend looking at some of the games and the number of Redskins that were empty. <laughs> Redskins. <laughs> Redskins. <laughs> I think well, Luke's, Luke's choking on a cinnamon roll or something over there, Kelly. Go, go ahead. But, but yeah, I mean, it's, again, it's happened before, you know, so why not? NFL is a little bit different bird because you do have the television contracts and things like that, but it can keep them afloat. But uh, Craig Thompson, who's the, the senior athletic director when it comes to conferences across the country, he's the uh, commissioner for the Mountain West. He was talking in a conference call yesterday and really comparing the Mountain West to Conference USA as far as those conferences are airline conferences, meaning that you, you can't drive to your rivals. You know, in the Mountain West, you got to get on an airplane, very similar to Conference USA, where you have to fly to El Paso and you have to fly to Norfolk. But 
Right. He's just saying what's, what's going to make football problematic is that you've got some states that are further along in battling this virus than other states. And if if state X has been open for a long time and XY isn't even, or state Y isn't even open yet, you know, the, the athletes from state Y are going to be way behind in getting ready for the football season, um, which puts, you know, a huge disadvantage, obviously, to state Y. So, you know, how, how are you going to deal with that? Do you deal, do you, do you scratch the first four games on the schedule and maybe just play your conference games or, are you going to have people in the stands? Are you not? Right. So every single scenario they're trying to go through their head as to as to how college football can work this year. So, but um, but you're of the belief that that won't work for high school. That that high school football will not work financially playing games without people in the stands because they don't have the revenue sources. Uh, be it you know jerseys, all sorts of stuff that colleges and, and clearly the NFL teams have. Absolutely right. I and mean, I've, I've talked to a couple of high school athletic directors in the past couple of days, and one of the things the MHSAA was talking about was, well, you know, could, could you play the games without fans in the stands? And athletic directors said, no, we, we couldn't even, we couldn't afford to pay the referees. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if nobody is showing up for games, you know, when those, those high school games are what, seven or eight dollars a pop. Right, you know, for somebody to get in, and if nobody pays, then where are those sources going to come from? Right. You have a, a, a thousand break going to have their own league going on yeah. because they yeah. can support it. Right? No, no, we we're going to sit this one out. You know, we're gonna, we're going to sit this one out. I, I think Look, there's you know too many to get dirty. You know, and <laughs> <laughs> that's against the HOA rules in Cambridge. That's right. Yeah, you you're not allowed to get dirty. And here's here's something else. Let's let's say the high school campuses do open. There's still going to be some social distancing rules, you would think, in effect. And one of the high school coaches was telling me, he said, "Look, if I've got a hundred kids on my roster, and I can only have ten in the weight room at a time," he said, "That's that's just not practical." You know, he said we'd have to be in the weight room weight room from seven in the morning until ten o'clock at night. You know, with working ten ten kids at a time. Hmm. You know, so it it just wouldn't be practical. Yeah. Um, so again, there's a lot more reasons as to why high school football won't happen than will. You know, Kelly, um, w- for me and you, going back to the high school days, uh, we were ahead of our time. There was a lot of social distancing between us and and the girls in high school. Am I right? They wouldn't come and, within and, six or eight feet of us. Well, and they still don't with me. You know, <laughs> um, usually, you know, when women with me, they just tell the officer, "Officer, that's him." Right there. Security, um, security. <laughs> but when we were in high school, too, Bob, high school wasn't big business like it is now. No, no. I mean, you'd, you'd play baseball, you you know, then you'd do your summertime stuff, you'd hang out at the neighborhood pool or whatever. Football didn't even start until August 1st. You didn't even do any conditioning or right. weightlifting no, that's right. until August 1st. But now it's almost a year-round thing. Right. So it's a far different animal. Didn't start playing until September when I was where I was going to high school. And and again, that might be one of the options that's on the table this year. But the campuses are going to have to be open, right? You know, in order for those guys to, to be able to get back and get ready. Luke Johnson, high school football with no no people in the stands. What do you think about that? That'd be good for you, Bob, because more people would listen on Super Talk. It would be fantastic for us, yes, but. Uh, 
But but from the standpoint of a, of a high school football player, Luke, uh, is that going to change the game? I mean, would the game itself change if if those kids didn't have the atmosphere to feed off of? What's great about high school football is everything. It it is the base for everything else. And relationships in high school football matter more than they do in any other scope where football is played. That is where you're most connected to your fans. Even if there's less people in the, in, the, in the stands, there's far more relational connection than there even is professional or collegiate. Um, I mean, and I mean that in close proximity. It would be very difficult uh, for a community, and it would be very difficult uh, for the players themselves you know, to go out there. At the same time, I mean, we've adapted. We, you know, we didn't, I, I was recording my message for Sunday uh, about an hour and a half ago. I'm standing in an empty room in front of a camera. And we're going to cut it up on YouTube and put it on uh, the Internet on Sunday morning. I didn't ever think I would be doing that. But we've mm-hmm. adapted. And uh, But Kelly brings up a great point about the financial part. Some schools, uh, without the gate you know, and without concessions, they're not going to be able to pull it off. So it, it will be a case-by-case basis. But, Kelly, here's a question. Do you think it's an all-or-nothing from the, the MHSAA? We kind of go back to the conference talk. You know, if, if a conference uh, can put 12 teams in, in a regular season, and uh, it, would the MHSAA do that, or would it be an all-or-nothing deal? No, I think, I think it'd be all-or-nothing. Um, I think you, you either, you know, because that, that you know, is kind of a form of discrimination, you know, is it not? I mean, just, you know, you're punishing some athletes for things that they don't have any control over, you know, as the, and it kind of goes back to what Craig Thompson was saying with the, with the you know, if, if some areas are ready to go quicker than others, you can't punish the ones, because none of this was anybody's fault, you know. Um, so I, I would just think either everybody would have to be in or everybody would have to be out. And I just think you guys talk, it's all about money. Everything in sports, it's always about money. No question. All right, we've got one more segment to go. We'll wrap up this week on the Eagle Hour, get the guys' thoughts about, I don't know, just things in general, where we are right now in, in the midst of this weird time that we're all working our way through. So stick with us a few more minutes, and we'll be right back. Last segment of the work week brought to you today by Toyota of Hattiesburg. They bring you the fourth segment of the Eagle Hour every single day. If you're thinking of getting a new ride, truck, SUV, or America's best-selling Camry, uh, check out Toyota Hattiesburg. They're located on Highway 98 or online, toyotaofhattiesburg.com. Bob and Luke from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and Laurel, Kelly John Sander, joining us on the phone. Guys, uh, I, I saw I always like these inside, uh, the behind-the-scenes draft stories, and there was one going on between the Saints and uh, the Panthers regarding Saints' seventh-round pick, uh, Tommy Stevens, quarterback out of Mississippi State. 
State. The Panthers uh, had already uh, agreed to a certain number to sign him uh, to an undrafted free agent deal, and he had committed there. And uh, you know, so all these offers were, were were coming around, and he was pretty hardcore sitting with Carolina. But Sean Payton wanted him, and Sean Payton said he fits the type of role that w- that we want—a Taysom Hill like role, a tight end, special teams, Swiss Army knife player. And Stevens and his uh, his agent did not want to for him to pull off New Orleans in a, a free agent deal or pull off Carolina as a free agent deal to go to New Orleans. New Orleans offered him the same amount of money, but he was uh, he was saying, "I'm staying with Carolina." So Sean Payton sent the agent a text. He said, "I'm not asking anymore. I'm taking." And he traded. Uh, 2021 six rounder for this seventh round pick, and they took Tommy Stevens. Uh, and Sean Payton told Stevens later, he said, "I honor your loyalty, I honor your commitment, but there's no way I'm losing you. You're a saint now." I love how all that stuff goes and goes back and forth, and the very fact that Sean Payton did that uh, to the Carolina Panthers, a division rival, even makes it all the more better. Hmm. So uh, you know, the kid's excited about going to the Saints, playing in Mississippi. I, I would think that. Uh... Getting drafted by the Saints is pretty big time. Yeah, but you'd wonder you wonder if Sean Payton would have pulled that if it was like, say, the Broncos or you know somebody yeah. else that's, that's the Patriots. The, division. the Patriots, yeah, right. He yeah, uh, so he supposedly texted uh, Brady, the new OC, and he said, "Not so fast." And then he pulled the trade off and and got Stevens. All right, guys, three minutes left. Kelly, here we are on a Friday afternoon. Uh, we talked a little bit during the break amongst ourselves about the COVID nineteen deal. Your thoughts about. What's going on and where we are right now? I, I still think it's going to be that we're going to be better, you know, sooner rather than later. But I, I understand the hesitancy of uh, of large group gatherings, and until we get back to large group gatherings, it's going to be problematic for society as a whole. Whether it's just your neighborhood bar, or to a full fledged rock concert, or you know, college football game. Right, that's Luke, where we are. Luke, what are you? What What are your thoughts today? I'm just ready for the weekend. It's been an exhausting mental week in the last two weeks, too, last two or three weeks. I'm just happy that it's abs- it's going to be absolutely gorgeous this weekend, and I can focus on finishing up our remodel, and that's what I'm looking forward to, non-sports-related, but still. Right. Well, here are my thoughts, guys. We've, we've still got a couple minutes left, but, uh, you know, we talked to the uh, the guy from the emergency management agency yesterday, and he said the next couple of weeks, it was really crucial on the part of the people of Mississippi to do what they needed to do in order to help the government. He said he thought the state and federal government had just done everything it could to this point to help everybody with this, and and that the next step was up to the state of Mississippi. You pointed out yesterday, Kelly, that the mayor of Hattiesburg has asked everybody to wear masks. As I watch the stores today, I do think more people seem to be wearing masks, but I just watched... a. A Mustang, a black Mustang pull up here with an EMT tag on it, an emergency medical technician tag on it, and the lady gets out wearing no mask, no gloves, no anything, and bounces up in the store. My thoughts today are, please, everybody, that's a small thing that we're asking you to do, please, everybody, cooperate so we can put this thing behind us. And Kelly Sanders, so we can watch NFL and college football uh, in the stadiums this fall. Because we still have we still have some some months ahead of us here, yeah. So if if things do get better uh, quicker than we hope, then that's then that's the very least you know that that could happen. Right. Uh, like I say, NASCAR is the first domino to fall as far as live sports come back. By the way, uh, Matt Kenseth has come out of the has come out of retirement. 
He's going to be in the 42 target car since Kyle Larson was relieved of his driving duties a couple weeks ago because of a uh, tragic uh, racial slur that he that he was caught saying um, in public. So he's out. Matt Kenseth, out of retirement, is going to drive that 42 car. And Ryan Newman is going to be back driving the 6 car. He almost lost his life earlier this year. Sure did. Terrible in, an, in his accident. But he's going to get back in the 6 car and be racing live on 17th of May. So. All right, Kelly Sander, IndyCar racing or NASCAR racing? Oh, gosh, I like them both. Indy's my preference, but I'm never going to turn down NASCAR. Are you a NASCAR man, Luke? I can watch it. I've never been to a – that's one of the things I want to do. I want to go to Talladega or one of these. I've just heard it's, it's kind of like ice hockey. It's so much better live than it is televised. Right. And so I have – I don't watch much NASCAR, but I want to watch it one day, and I think I will enjoy the live experience far better than what I've seen on television. You can go to Indy with Mr. Santer. He's got his own trailer, and uh, he's a regular there, right, Kelly? And he, he's welcome to go, but Luke, I beg of you, I respect you way too much for you to take me up on my invitation. <laughs> you, you will be scarred for life mentally when you see some of the stuff that goes on up there. All right, guys, that wraps up another week. We're very grateful to everybody that listens to us each and every day and uh, love coming in here every day and working with these two guys. We'll be back uh, Monday at 1 o'clock. And until then, Southern Miss. To the top. To the top. Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. Talk Mississippi Media Production.